kabar? Welcome to the Indonesia Saga with T. A podcast talking crap about Indonesia from facts, culture, funny stories, news, travel tips, or just things. Created and produced by Indonesian from Indonesia, just for you, wherever you are. My name is Fee. This is episode 3. Are Indonesians conservative? Hmm, if you ever visited Indonesia, you must have heard a sound in Arabic five times in a day. Well, especially in Java Island. That sound comes from the mosque calling for Muslims to do the prayer. With that, you must have noticed too that mosques exist in every corner of the country. That's the proof of the domination of the Muslim population in Indonesia. And very often, this is related to an image of conservative people and other not-so-positive stereotypes too. As a diverse country, Indonesia recognized different religions including Islam, Protestant, Catholic, Hindu, Buddhist, and Confucianism. FYI, not like sex, religion is not a taboo topic in Indonesian society. In fact, many dare to ask a stranger's belief and give feedback about it. If you go into an online chat room uh, where there are Indonesians in the room, you may have been asked uh, your religion by them. It's very normal for them to ask your religion, so, well, we can talk about religion casually, which is very different when we talk about sex in Indonesia. So anyway, among all of those religions, 87% population embrace Islam as their belief. It puts Indonesia as the world's biggest Muslim population with the number of Muslim population as much as 229 million. These populations mostly inhabit Sumatra, Java, coast of Kalimantan, Sulawesi, Lombok, Sumbawa, and North Malaku or Molusco. Practically most part of the country. The freedom to choose and practice these religions is protected and guaranteed by the nation's constitution. However, remember that this does not make the country is run according to the laws of Islam. Nobody knows exactly how Islam arrived for the first time in Indonesia nor Southeast Asia. Honestly, I never thought of it until I made this podcast. I remember learning Indonesian history in a quite profound way when I was in the 7th grade. My teacher yet was too nonchalant to make learning materials, so she asked us to study by ourselves, make notes, and get ready for her quizzes. Yeah, that's how I lost my memory of Indonesian history so easily. Back to the topic, it is believed that Islam came to Indonesia through international trade. The western region of the country like Sumatra and Java have the most Muslim population. It is not a surprise since this area is a strategic place for international trade. 
For example, you may know the Malacca Strait between Indonesia and Malaysia in the Sumatra Island. The Arabian traders built their village and married the locals. Another trigger was by development of Islam Sultanis in around 13th century until it was finally time that they were defeated by the colonials in the 16th and 17th century. As Indonesia's economy started to grow, the population became more consumptive and triggered urbanization to urban cities like Java. This phenomenon also contributed a big role in the propagation of Islam in Indonesia. If we talk about Islam in Indonesia, it will always be tied to the Wali song. Nine Muslim figures with great merit in spreading Islam in Indonesia, particularly in Java Island. In Bahasa, Wali means guardian, while Songo derived from Javanese means nine, so nine guardians. When I was a kid, my grandma left to take me to her pilgrim tour visiting the trace of this Wali Songo. From the mosque, palaces, and not to mention graves. People come from different cities, even from the far eastern area of the country. They pray on the side of the grave or drink from the natural water spring nearby, asking for a blessing and welfare. So much for believing in Islam, I thought. I'm never a religious person, but I guess that I understand well enough that such practice does wrong to the tenet of Islam. So I stopped accompanying my grandma because of that, and certainly the vibe of the ancient tomb freaked me out. These nine figures used culture, art, and education to deploy Islam in the land of Java. The Indonesian traditional puppet performance, or we call it wayang, was one of the most popular ones and it is still used for the same purpose in some regions in Java. Yet, the fundamental one was through education in Pesantren or a boarding school that not only teaches general knowledge, but goes deeper into the knowledge of Islam. The Wali Songo often preached to students in Pesantren. Java is not the only place which has special story of Islam in Indonesia. Let me tell you about Aceh. This, this city is also one of the top destinations in Indonesia, especially for Westerners. So, have you ever heard of it before? If you have, what do you have in mind? Tsunami? Yes, that's very true. But that's not what I would like to talk about. You may have not known this before, but Aceh is the only place in Indonesia where laws are made and enforced by the tenets of Islam from Quran. Special autonomy is given to Aceh to imply laws based on the Sharia of Islam. One of the most prominent proof is the flogging for alcohol production 
distribution and consumption, adultery, gambling, free sex, and LGBT. In my view, it's the beauty of Indonesian, diversity. Although, I also question whether it violates our universal human rights. We are silenced from our choosing of clothes, and at the end, we are put on display for having a flogging punishment. Don't you think that violates our human rights? I'll just let you decide, okay? Islam and Indonesia are hardly separated by terrorism. You know that well. You may develop a bad image of Indonesia as a terrorist country. We have suffered devastating terrorism acts for years. We'll never forget the tragic Bali bombing, not once but twice. And also the one in Jakarta a few years later that hurt civilians and police officers. Yet, since then, we've been actively making counter-terrorism efforts from judicial prosecution to military-based special operations to conciliatory-based religious persuasion. The National Counter-Terrorism Agency was established to build joint efforts with police, the judiciary, and other government bodies. So, we're getting better and better, yet we must not be cut off guard. Agree? I agree. You may only have one image, or maybe two, when talking about Muslims and Islam. First one is conservative fashion. The veils for the women. Abaya, niqab, burka, chador, dupatta, or hijab. You can name it all. In Islam, all men and women are required to cover themselves through their clothes, especially for women. Despite this thought, women are under more pressure than men. Women must cover themselves in loose clothes and a veil and only leave their face and palm open. I'm a Muslim myself. Yep, I do not wear any kind of veil, nor do some other Muslim women in Indonesia. If you asked me why, I would not have the exact answer. But like Spiderman said, as great power comes, great responsibility also comes. <laughs> in my word, as veil worn comes, great responsibility comes. Sorry, I'm a bit confused. As Will Warren comes great responsibility. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. Um, but that's from my point of view. That's just my personal thinking. So you may agree or disagree with me. But it's not about true or false. Okay? So not that women who wear veil and who do not have different responsibilities. I view it as an unspoken rule that veiled women should behave in a more religious manner than those who don't wear one. 
For example, we know that in Eastern culture, it is not nice to use swear words. When a woman does not wear a veil and she swears a lot, like me, sometimes, it is understandable. But the case is different with the conservative women with veils. People will talk behind your back saying you have no shame with your veil and religious clothes. Youngsters have a name for this one, Kardus, an abbreviation of Kardum Dusta, which means veil of lies. I like this term, it's kind of cool in my ears. Well, even though Indonesia is not based on the tenets of Islam or any other religions, it is starting to influence our lives in different aspects, no matter who you are. I have one silly case for this. Back to the fashion thing. I went to the police station a few days ago to get some papers. You know what happened the first time I stepped on the lobby? He said to me that the service I was looking for was closed for the day and he told me to come back tomorrow. Hold on, that's not a problem. He then continued, continued giving me critics about my clothes. I understood that maybe it was because of my, of my sandals, but no, it was actually because of my dress, the dress that was slightly above my knees. Hmm, story of my life. But fashion is one thing. There are many other things too. Name it food, cosmetics, even tourism. Halal. One sacred word that has become a commodity in this world's biggest Muslim population. It is an Arabic word which means lawful and permitted as prescribed in the Quran. Halal is mostly labeled on food, or the restaurant which sells the food and given by the Indonesia Ulama Council. This halal label was not a big deal until a few years ago. There were cases of butchers in the traditional markets mixed beef with pork. And the volume of import products coming to Indonesia has increased gradually. When Korean noodles became viral in Indonesia, people consumed it and had a spicy challenge with their friends. And that was when the halal label reached its momentum. They forgot of this halal label until some people questioned its halalness and provoked food manufacturers or distributors to compete to get the halal label first. Now, today, halal is not limited to Korean noodles or any other kind of food. It expands its business to tourism. Quoting from Bank of Indonesia, Halal tourism development aims to provide greater convenience for Muslim travelers to carry out their religious duties while traveling. So, what comes to my mind is hotels and restaurants with halal labels as well as more mosques or praying rooms. Here's one interesting issue. In 2019, the news of Bali becoming a halal tourism circulated in the media incessantly. Even the governor of Bali was offended with this idea. I don't think the idea is completely wrong, looking at, at the number of Muslim travelers coming to Bali. It's just that 
we need we must protect our diversity because that's the beauty of us so we cannot lose that identity it's terrifying to develop something new but eliminating our roots don't you think so it is only a very minor example now our Islam dominance has started to influence the political sphere in the country too personally I just acknowledged this phenomenon from the last Jakarta governor election in 2017 and presidential election in 2019. Before exploring this further, let me introduce you to one popular Islam organization in Indonesia, the FBI or Islamic Defenders Front. Why does such an organization become important? You see, The members of this organization are hardcore conservative Muslims. Not infrequently, the organization created activities to spread and enforce the teaching of Islam, but followed with violence, which is very contrary. They raid restaurants during Ramadan, a month where Muslims people fuss from dawn to dusk. Not only restaurants, but also karaoke rooms. even the legal ones. All are unilateral acts without authorization from the law enforcers. If you and I have this conversation directly over a cup of matcha frappuccino, you would see my real passion for the following case. I'm going to tell you. The pluralism and minorities are inevitably threatened by the existence of this hardcore conservative organization like FBI. LGBT has been a hot subject that this organization is vocal of. Beforehand, the event was much worse, I can say. Like I said, the 2017 governor election was a historical momentum that changed Islam and politics in Indonesia. The news even made headlines in West Western media. Okay. As Jokowi was inaugurated as the president of the Republic of Indonesia in 2014, Ahok took the seat of the governor of Jakarta. His promotion was controversial, notably to conservative Muslims. They refused a non-Muslim leader. Things just got heated up nearing the end of 2016 when Ahok ran for the second term in the Jakarta governor election. The organizations of conservative Muslims marched in the street of Jakarta renounced the candidacy of Ahok in the election. They knew that Ahok would win it thanks to great developments he made in the city. Of course, that is a victory would not happen since Ahok is a Christian. The demonstration took place for several days restraining people's mobility. Religious tension took over the city and put pressure on the people. However, it could not get any worse as Ahok was put in prison for allegation of blasphemy. He once used a Quran verse during one of his campaigns. He asks people not to be fooled by that verse which forbids Muslims to be led by a non-Muslim leader like him. But at last, Ahok was sentenced to two-year prison. 
sentence that we all know that this verdict was very much influenced by that religious tension. Just like my favorite Korean drama, the conflict just developed after some time. This time, it happened to the former governor partner of Ahok, Jokowi. In a grander stage of 2019 presidential election, Ahok's decayed reputation influenced Jokowi's as they were always a pair in the head of people's mind. His counterpart made use of this situation to team up with FBI and other hardcore Muslim organizations. Yep, Jokowi hit back by choosing a conservative Muslim figure as his VP. This chosen VP Dan is a very respected ulama in Indonesia. Jokowi's political strategy brought in formidable results for winning the election. Again, the winning of Jokowi and his conservative Muslim VP is a symbol of conservative Muslim victory as an ulama holds a high-profile authority in the country. We may not combat with the terrorists anymore, but we are still in a battle with our people. Every day is a battle of fighting fake news, propaganda, or hate speech in the name of religion to separate us as a nation which embraces diversity and pluralism. Whatever our religions are, nothing preaches us to be violent, hateful, murderer, or deceiver. Thank you for getting to know Indonesia. If you like our content, share the podcast or tell your friend about it. Check our site and Facebook page at the Indonesia Saga with... Do you want more of Indonesia? Stay tuned with us for more exciting topics about Indonesia. Until the next episode, unfolding in the heart of Indonesia. Terima kasih, sampai jumpa.